Please listen carefully. Psych Essentials is a show about learning psychiatry. It's fun and educational, but should not be taken as medical advice or opinion. So kick back and try not to worry about those glaring ego deficits. We like you anyway. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, James. Welcome back to another episode of Psych Essentials. Hey, first a note about the sound on this episode. We normally record in a sound studio and is under repair this week, so we are coming to you live from my dining room table. We're flashing back to the beginning of our show. So bear with us for the audio quality on this, and then hopefully we'll be back for the next episode. James, James, I can barely hear you over all that crunching. What are you eating? Granola. Why are you eating granola when we're recording an episode of Psych Essentials? You told me to bring clusters. Clusters? That's what you said. Oh, personality clusters. I gotcha. (laughs) Well, throw away this granola because I'm here for the personality clusters. So this week we are talking about personality disorders which, sure enough, are divided into three categories or clusters that we will talk about today. So, Lindsay, what is a personality disorder? Personality disorders are a group of disorders that describe different types of personalities and specifically patterns of behaviors in thinking that cause people problems in their life. And so in the DSM, they're divided into three categories or clusters, as we talked about at the beginning, that we'll talk more in depth about today. So in the next few episodes, we'll talk about each cluster a little bit more closely and then give tips about talking to people with those specific personality clusters. Okay, so today, overview, and then in the next few episodes, we're going to talk specifically about communication. Yeah, and we've been talking a little bit about personality disorders, but maybe we need to backtrack a bit. Like, what's a personality? Yeah, good question. So a personality, and you probably have some sense of this, you probably never even thought about defining it, but it's the the behaviors or the things you do and the thoughts that you have sort of differentiate different people. And I'm sure you can think about people in your life who have lots of different personalities, people who are friendly or outgoing or shy or adventurous or creative or like that person who's always the life of the party or that person who's really organized. Like the way people are is kind of like their personality. There's a range, right? Right. And, And having a personality is really normal. It like helps differentiate us. And over the course of your life, it's also normal for your personality to change. Like we grow as people. It's a normal part of the human experience to have, have some psychological change over time. Yeah, although most people don't really change dramatically. Like it would be mm. less common for you to be like totally one type of person and then suddenly to change into a totally different type of person. Also, I would say that most types of personalities exist, you know, we'll say within a spectrum or band. Like if this were the electromagnetic spectrum, this would be the visible light, right? Mm. Um, of personality that we would call like normative personality. Gotcha. You thought physics wouldn't come back I, into this. I was this. hoping it wouldn't. You <laughs> went there. Okay, so personality is a more or less stable pattern of behaviors and thoughts that, that make people unique, it sounds like. Yeah, and a lot of it's normative or within commonplace within the culture that you reside. So we've, we've covered personality. So let's move to the second part, the disorder. What's a disorder? Okay, so a disorder would be 
experiences or behaviors that are outside the social norms or social expectations of the culture that you're in. And, and that really what that looks like is having problems with your thinking or your cognition, your emotions, your interpersonal abilities, or your impulse control, or maybe it's one of those or it's all those, but having problems interacting, that would make it a disorder if it's causing you problems. Because of this, people with personality disorders have problems and, and the problems cause people to feel down or depressed or anxious or sometimes really stressed out or upset, angry, anxious. It's not an easy thing to have a personality disorder. No, it certainly doesn't sound like it. I mean, a personality influences all aspects of how you interact with the world and with yourself. And so if you have a, a disorder as a part of that way of interacting, I mean, that's tough. It is really tough. What's the sort of timing here? What would that look like? Right. Typically, they can be seen by adolescents, the beginning of adulthood, in other words, um, but sometimes even childhood. Just like all of our personalities, sometimes kids will display certain traits that are stable across time, even when they're a four or five-year-old. I remember my mom saying, I knew even when you were five, you did the exact same thing. Exactly, exactly. And that was part of your personality, the stable way of interacting with the world. And typically personality disorders, they start in adolescence generally, and they also have a pervasive lifelong impact. So this is not something that's here for a week or even a month or even exactly. a year. It's like, this is just kind of who you are and how you relate to the world right? for right. your whole life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about personality disorders today. We're going to go through the 10 different ones. We're going to give examples. You may well think about people in your life. I remember sitting in the lecture hall in medical school and being like, oh, yeah, that explains that person. So it's okay to think about that. And sometimes that's helpful for you to remember them. But I just want to say at the top of the show, it's not okay to go around telling people that they have a personality disorder especially if you're not their doctor. And even if you are their doctor, you should be very cautious because a lot of these carry a certain amount of stigma or sort of cultural associations. Even if you're just trying to help them, I would be pretty cautious. Right. And I think one other important thing to remember is that you might even see features of all of these different personality disorders in not only others, but also in yourself. I think different stresses in life can raise certain defense mechanisms that we employ that might also be employed in these personality disorders. Yeah, especially at certain points in time. And the distinction that you were just drawing earlier is that like to be a disorder, like this would have to be sort of your de facto state for your life. Yeah, exactly. So just because like this describes you a little bit doesn't necessarily mean like you have this disorder. Right, right. Okay, so walk us through. What are the three main groups or clusters? So the first cluster is cluster A. And that includes paranoid, schizoid, and schizotypal personality disorders. So we got three there. Okay. The second is cluster B. in which we have antisocial, borderline, histrionic, and narcissistic personality disorders. Okay. Four in cluster B. And then we have cluster C, which we have avoidant, dependent, and obsessive compulsive personality disorders. Okay. And are there ways that you remember those three groups or which one is in which? Yeah, I think you can essentially 
boil them down to a few key characteristics. One way to remember this is odd, dramatic, and anxious. In other words, the cluster A folks might be odd, cluster B dramatic, and cluster C generally anxious. Another way is the mnemonic weird, wacky, and worried, Okay. which also applies to the cluster A, B, and C disorders respectively. Right. That one is alliterative, and so it's easy. Mm, I don't know. It makes me a little uncomfortable to call people weird as a class. Yeah, or wacky. Or wacky. But I get it. It's helpful to remember which group is which. And sometimes people even say, like, oh, that person feels like cluster A, or "Mm, there's some cluster B going on here. Yeah. But what we're going to do is break those down so you can actually be more specific than just saying cluster B. Better to not be as reductive. Totally. So let's get into it. Cluster A. The first in cluster A is paranoid. Tell us about it, James. This is a word that you've surely heard before, so that's not going to be a new word. And similarly, the type of person who has a paranoid personality disorder is suspicious. They, they don't trust people. They're always sort of looking around. I like to think of them as like really good observers. Like They're just kind of constantly scanning. And that's because they feel like they're in danger. They're looking for things to confirm that there's things that are going on. This can look disordered because you can present data and they don't necessarily accept that data. Like So they could be like, there's this conspiracy that's causing the buses to never pick me up. And you're like, well, I think that's just how the bus tables run. They run every 10 minutes. And they're like, no, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Because I have this other fact that says, you know, so like they don't necessarily accept or incorporate other information. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of pretty significant cognitive distortions for these particular individuals. Yeah, and when you are talking to them, it can kind of come across as feeling hostile and kind of like self-righteous. Hmm. In other terms, I would say not emotional. It's, it doesn't kind of feels more isolated. Okay. What sort of person would I think of could have this type of disorder? Okay, so the example is imagine a person who has a lot of theories about this government conspiracy and they don't really like to share it, but when they do, they get really mad if somebody points out a flaw in their logic. Okay, okay. Number two, schizoid personality disorder. Schizoid personality disorder is somebody who is just not really interested in social relationships. They like to spend a lot of time by themselves. They like to be secretive, kind of detached. I would also use the word apathetic. This person kind of feels cold or like not very emotional. That said, even though they feel pretty detached, there's often a very elaborate internal world that they're thinking about in their mind. So who would I imagine? Imagine a person who lives in a cabin in the woods. It's really remote. They live by themselves. There's no one else around. And they're pretty content with that. They're Mm -hmm. okay. And if somebody were to come by, they would get grumpy about that they're not interested gotcha so they're just not interested in in relationships really mm-hmm. number three schizotypal so these types of people are pretty socially isolated they can be kind of anxious they can be kind of paranoid now that's gonna sound exactly the same as the last i was two. just gonna say that i was like you know what that sounds like the last two how how do we differentiate these a little bit better okay so let's break it down a little bit 
a person who has schizotypal personality disorder avoids relationships because other people make them nervous. They worry about interacting with other people. As compared with people with schizoid personality, they just don't have a desire. They don't see like a reason. It's not useful to spend time with other people. The other distinguishing factor about schizotypal personality disorder is that they often have beliefs that seem uh, unconventional, unusual, sometimes just outright delusional. Things like paranormal, thinking about like the beyond or magic or superstition or these sort of like ideas of reference like people are sort of talking to me or I can sort of like incorporate other thoughts kind of magical thinking about nature yeah so almost it almost has a psychotic quality to the beliefs but maybe it's not as like firmly held as some of the delusions that we see that's exactly right that's what differentiates it from schizophrenia these probably exist on a spectrum right schizotypal tends to be less intense a little less impairing I remember schizotypal because the types of qualities are more like schizophrenia. It's a good mnemonic. And then I have one for uh, schizoid. Bring it. Schizoid's avoid. Schizoid. Avoid, yeah. Great. Now, think of this person. This person could also spend a lot of times in the remote woods, but they're more likely to believe that the trees have powers safekeeping them. And if somebody came by, they would be more nervous about it. They would be sort of scared. Hmm. I would bet that we are a lot less likely to encounter a lot of these individuals with cluster A personality disorders in psychiatry in general, because they're probably pretty unlikely to, to seek care unless there's something else going on, like a medical condition or... You're right. I bet even in medicine, more broadly, they're less likely to come into your office. Okay. So that was cluster A. Let's move to cluster B. Cluster B. Okay. Well, you probably will encounter many of these folks either on psychiatry or medicine. So let's start with antisocial personality disorder. Someone with this disorder generally disregards the rights of other living beings. They have kind of a low moral sense or just not a very well-developed conscience in comparison to the general population. So practically speaking, these individuals are typically pretty impulsive, aggressive, they'll commit crimes, and they often have legal problems. Um, and the crimes that they commit can often be violent crimes towards other people. So there's often an overlap with the term psychopath or sociopathy, which generally speaking are, are, are pretty similar terms. They're all kind of referring to this, this person who really doesn't have much of a conscience and um, is constantly violating the rights of others. Okay, so antisocial, psychopathy, sociopathy, kind of synonyms. There may be some technical diff yeah, differences, but... Yeah, exactly. In general, a lot of times these individuals are pretty arrogant. They'll think lowly of other people, especially people who are more emotional. And they typically lack remorse for doing harm, which makes them seem pretty callous and irresponsible. And as a side note, Conduct disorder is a disorder in childhood that has similar features. So part of the criteria is you'll see this impulsiveness, aggression, vandalism, people's property fights, and a disregard for other people. Antisocial disorder actually requires a history of conduct disorder, which should emerge by age 15. So in other words, the antisocial 
pattern of behavior should be a lifelong pattern. It shouldn't be something that emerges only at a, at a particular point in someone's life. Gotcha. And I remember this because antisocial is adults and with an A and conduct disorder is for kids with a C. That's clever. With a C. <laughs> Children. Children. <laughs> I know what you meant. Right. And I think um, maybe one point to make is that you might have heard of something in children called oppositional defiant disorder, and, and sometimes it can um, be confusing. Well, how is that different from conduct disorder? Uh, one way to differentiate it is that typically kids with oppositional defiant disorder do not commit aggressive crimes against people, animals, or property. There's not this consistent violation of the rights of other people. So oppositional defiant, or ODD, has this oppositional quality, which, which tends to just be more like coming up against authority and conduct disorders where your conduct is impaired to you, like actually violent or aggressive or vandalizing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And both of those are in children. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's the example of somebody who has an antisocial personality disorder? Imagine a person who makes a plan to steal money from a grocery store and then doesn't feel bad when a bystander is hurt during the robbery. Okay. Okay. The next personality disorder is borderline personality disorder. So I'll describe some of the typical things that you'll see with these individuals. So you will see a lifelong pattern of unstable relationships, lots of up and down, very labile emotions, and really just an unstable sense of self. These individuals swing from one self-state to another very quickly. They'll see themselves as very bad in certain situations and then really good in other situations. So they just don't know who they are. They will often engage in dangerous, impulsive behavior, especially during times of frustration, depression, and stress. And so these individuals will engage in lots of self-harm behaviors and have a relatively high rate of suicide attempts. These self-harm behaviors are often an attempt to help regulate their emotions. They're just, they feel their emotions pretty intensely. They also tend to experience dissociation under times of stress, and they can even experience low-grade hallucinations, which can seem a little psychotic even. So saying things like, yeah, sometimes I do kind of hear a voice, or sometimes I do kind of see these shadowy things yeah, that other people aren't seeing. exactly, but it has a different quality to, the, to, that, to what the person is experiencing as compared to a person with schizophrenia. Like, it's just, there's like a different quality to it. Okay. Um, I mentioned this a little bit before, but people often feel their emotions super strongly and they can seem quite sensitive. They're very intuitive, especially when you're interacting with them in, a, in the clinical realm and will call you out if they sense that you're not being honest in how you're reacting to them. I remember saying to somebody once, hi, it's nice to see you. And she said, you're just saying that. Were you just saying that? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> she called you out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which was accurate. I mean, it felt very intuitive to me. Like, oh, yeah, I was. I thought I was putting on a, a sort of pleasant front, but I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And very perceptive with the emotions of other people. Mm-hmm. Borderline personality disorder is commonly associated with other comorbid psychiatric disorders like depression, anxiety, substance use. Mm-hmm. So it's something to keep in mind is that it rarely presents as an isolated disorder. And then lastly, oftentimes these, these individuals will complain that they, they feel really empty and there's this constant worry about being abandoned in their relationships. And so they'll often make these very frantic efforts to avoid this. Mm-hmm. So what example might exist for a person with borderline personality so- disorder? 
So imagine a person who likes you one minute. In other words, they might start off by saying, wow, you're the best student I've ever had. You're wonderful. But then not so much the next. And they'll start telling you you're worthless and then say that they'll get back at you by hurting themselves. So there you're seeing both the emotional up and down, the emotional ability, the 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 worry about being abandoned which makes them want to reach out to you like mm-hmm. hey like you're you're great like like me and then this impulsive behavior is like self-harm yeah and and it does seem like it's it's an a frantic effort to avoid abandonment like if i hurt myself like you'll be drawn in and you won't abandon me yeah so yeah, yeah. okay what's the next personality disorder in cluster b Okay, so next one is histrionic personality disorder. So this particular type of individual is very attention-seeking, and they're really wanting lots of approval. They're typically quite seductive and flirty in their interactions with other people. They're often quite dramatic in their interactions. They have somewhat of a loud, uh, dramatic appearance. They'll often exaggerate their emotions and they crave stimulation. One adjective that's been used to describe some of these individuals is vivacious. Ooh. Vivacious, yes. They can seem kind of egocentric and maybe self-indulgent and even a little bit manipulative to get what they want. Okay. So how might I picture somebody with a histrionic personality disorder? Okay, so imagine this. A person uh, comes into your clinic wearing a tight shirt, leans over dramatically and says, I know you like me because you wrote that prescription last time I was here. And you refilled their amlodipine. <laughs> okay. So okay. it kind of goes like that. So they, they're reading into the situation that you must like them. Right. And so therefore they're sort of flirting back towards you in this sort of dramatic attention-seeking way. Right. There's like this dramatic, seductive sort of way that they interact with other people. Okay. What's next in cluster B? Okay. So our last cluster B personality disorder is narcissistic personality disorder. These individuals often feel that they're very important and they need lots of admiration and praise. But they're also not very empathic towards other people. So it's kind of a pretty draining on people that they interact with. So they'll spend time thinking about being powerful or successful or the most beautiful. And they can be kind of compelling. But it can also be really aggravating because their need for admiration and praise is kind of endless. And they'll often take advantage of people around them in the name of, of trying to seek more admiration and praise and accumulating power potentially. They're often not aware of this diagnosis, or if they've been told that they have it, they might not believe it. Outwardly, they really want to seem important. They're often boasting, which gets annoying. But inwardly, they are super vulnerable and fragile to even the slightest insult. So they might seem like a person who really has it all together, but like there's a very fragile person on the inside. Okay, what is an example of a person who might have a narcissistic personality disorder? Think of a person who is in line at the movies with you, and they're boasting about their expensive front row seats, saying you couldn't afford them. They cut the line because they deserve to be first, and they let you know that. Uh, But then when someone kind of speaks up and say, hey, hey, that's not fair. You shouldn't be allowed to to cut the line. They yell at them. Hmm. Okay. Aggravating (laughs) for other people that have to deal with these folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've seen this happen. All right, cluster C. 
yeah, tell us about cluster C personality disorders. Okay, first up is avoidant. This type of person really wants social connections. They want to talk to other people, but they feel internally, like deeply, really inadequate, inferior, and so they just avoid contact with other people. And that leads them to being very isolated. And in particular, they they worry about being made fun of or being rejected or not being good enough. And because of this, it can feel kind of distant. Hmm, like what's up with that person? Right, but there seems like there's a lot going on internally for these individuals. Mm -hmm. And this one is different than at the top we talked about schizoid and you said that that type of person avoids people. They don't want to be around people, Exactly. And an avoidant person really does, but they just don't feel like they can do it. So they preemptively withdraw. What type of person could I imagine here? Okay, imagine a person who works in your office. Maybe they work in the back doing filing. It's the it's the time for the monthly birthday celebration. There's a cake. Everyone's going to sing. They really want to go. They really want to be a part of it. In fact, their birthday is during this month, but they just don't think they'll be able to or they're going to be kind of awkward, so they just don't go at all, and they just stay in their office. Hmm. And so they miss out on things. And then people think like, huh, like what's up with Tim? Mm. Okay, second up is dependent personality disorder. This is a personality disorder in cluster C where people depend on other people to really get like their needs met, like their emotional needs, their physical needs. This type of person can feel clingy, passive. What they'll tend to do is they'll, they'll ask other people for approval before they make any decisions they need like a lot of reassurance and they just don't really trust their own decisions in addition to not putting much weight in what they think they put a lot of weight in what other people think and as a result they feel kind of nervous about being alone feeling lonely a lot of times it often has kind of a pessimistic flavor like they just think the worst thing is going to happen and so they just need other people's approval to make sure it's not to reassure them that's not going to Almost sounds like clingy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In this case, imagine a person who has asked you 15 times if their outfit is okay for the party that you guys are going to go to. You said, yes, it's fine. You look great. It's going to be okay. It doesn't matter. And then they say, whatever, no one's going to talk to me anyway. What's the next personality disorder in Cluster C? All right, the final personality in cluster C is the obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. So somebody with obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, OCPD, is really concerned about things like details, order, perfection, getting things just right. They spend a lot of time and mental energy trying to control things around them, like making sure that their interactions with the person's going to go just right, or planning what they're going to say, planning the places that they're going to go. They really don't like when things suddenly change at the last minute because they put in all this effort to make sure that things are right. And so as a result, they've planned everything down to the minute. They can seem kind of like workaholics because they'll put in a ton of work just to make sure everything's right, kind of perfectionistic. They can also seem kind of stingy because they tend not to like to spend money if things could be done better or otherwise. It's very hard for this type of person to relax. So basically anyone who's gone into the medical field. (laughs) Well, 
as you're hearing about this, you might be thinking, is this just obsessive compulsive disorder? Is this OCD? Like, right, so somebody's kind of OCD. Right. So this is obsessive compulsive personality disorder, OCPD versus OCD. Now, in obsessive compulsive disorder, in OCD, people will also habitually do things. They'll check to make sure that the books are lined up. They'll check to make sure they wash their hands. In OCD, people don't really want to do these things, but they feel like they have to, like they're compelled to have to do them because they're worried about the consequences if they don't. So in other words, the the obsessions are ego dystonic. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. In OCPD, the thoughts are ego syntonic. So this feels good. It feels rational. It feels like your brain is helping you out. People with OCPD tend to view themselves as, I'm just like pretty cautious, or I I just want things to be right, or it just makes me feel good, or this is how I'm successful, like this is the only way, like this is how I have to take notes. It feels good when your binders are all the same height and they're all lined up perfectly on the shelf. So in this case, for example, think about the type of person who spends hours researching the best way to get to work. And then they do it like that day after day after day forever. Mm, Super rigid. Very rigid. I wanted to make one last point. So if you're hearing this and you're thinking, especially OCPD, and you're thinking like, is this me? Uh, The answer is... Maybe, right? Maybe. We all have personalities, right? And, And some of these characteristics can fit, even if it's just like a little bit. Also, even though these are listed as disorders... Sometimes they're really helpful. Like, okay, for instance, if you were a lighthouse operator on a remote island, it could be really useful to not mind being alone by yourself. True, that would be pretty adaptive in that situation if you weren't like, oh my God, I need to to interact with people. Totally. If you are a medical student who needed to learn literally all of medicine, it could be really useful to be highly organized and a little bit obsessive. So these aren't necessarily good or bad. They're just patterns that exist across people and across time. One of the keys about personality disorders is distress. Like, is this causing you problems in your life? And if it is, then there are ways to work on that. But I just want to say that, one, it's not uncommon for some of these to fit. Two, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing if they do fit. And three is something to sort of pay attention to. Like, how is this affecting me? Right. Like, regardless of whether one of them fits for you or not, you'll, you'll probably run across individuals with some of these characteristics during your medical career. Definitely. And like you said, we've talked about a few groups now, right? We talked about cluster A, that was paranoid, schizoid, and schizotypal. We talked about cluster B, which was antisocial, borderline, histrionic, and narcissistic. And then we talked about cluster C, that was avoidant, dependent and obsessive compulsive yeah people with these disorders are notoriously tricky to talk to and so in the next three episodes we will teach you communication skills to make this task easier Ooh, that sounds really useful i think so all right stay tuned for that up next we're talking about cluster a in the meanwhile check out our website let us know what you'd like to hear more about in the future. Our website is www.psychessentials.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're at Psych Essentials. Download Psych Essentials on iTunes, where you can also rate, comment, and share with anyone else who needs to know about personality disorders. But again, don't tell someone that they have one via your iTunes review. 
Our music is by Javier Suarez off his album Tumbling Dishes. There's always a link on our website. These were mostly examples, but people, places, and details were changed to protect confidentiality. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.